break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 8th of March, 2022, International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to all of our listeners and breakthrough patrons out there. We are very happy to be back with you here on the show. We've got plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the crimes of the Bolivian coup regime back in 2019. New report out detailing those. We're also going to talk about the Republican plan to tax the poor. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start with more secret spying by the U.S. government coming to light. Senator Ron Wyden, a leading member of the Senate's Select Committee on Intelligence, has revealed yet another mass spying program being carried out by the federal government that was heretofore secret. This one is run by the Department of Homeland Security, monitoring the transactions of money transfer companies, wire transfer companies, Western Union and the like. Since at least 2010, DHS the Wall Street Journal summarizes, quote, collected records of any money transfer greater than $500 to or from Mexico. It also collected information on domestic or international transfers exceeding $500 to or from the states of Arizona, California, New Mexico and Texas, end quote. The journal goes on to note that, quote, it couldn't be determined exactly how authorities were using the data at issue, which appeared to solely involve money transfer services rather than banks. Such services are popular among people who don't have bank accounts and are commonly used to send money abroad, such as to family members back in an immigrant's country of origin, end quote. The program was run in a novel way involving a private nonprofit entity known as the Transaction Record Analysis Center, or TRAC. TRAC was created as a result of a money laundering settlement between Western Union and the Attorney General's office in Arizona. There was a voluntary agreement between the two to set up track as a clearinghouse for transaction data. Other wire transfer companies also started providing their information as well. Track then turned around and agreed to let essentially any law enforcement agency and the numbers of agencies that use this database ran into the hundreds to let any law enforcement agency search the database for information on people without any sort of warrant. The database seemed to contain, at the very least, names, addresses, and identification numbers associated with senders of the money transfers, as well as names and addresses of the recipients. In 2019, the period of the agreement between the Arizona AG and many of these companies ended. The AZAG then went to the feds and got the DHS to use its authority to investigate people and goods crossing borders to start issuing subpoenas for the information at issue, compelling the companies to continue providing the information. DHS, unsurprisingly, says that they are doing this to bolster the fight against human trafficking and the drug trade. But Senator Wyden is demanding more reporting from the agency about the program and whether or not it was legal and what they ultimately were actually using it for. 
And of course, one of the major issues here is that this program, like all of the other mass surveillance programs, is quite possibly illegal. While we often feel we have very few rights, the Fourth Amendment provides broad protection for the right of American citizens and actually many people who are not citizens to privacy. The government does not have the right to just look into your private records without clear evidence that you are suspected of engaging in some sort of criminal activity. Financial records are no exception, and in fact, there are clear and stringent rules that govern federally insured banks around this, which may be part of the reason the program dealt only with wire transfer services, which often don't fall quite in that category. Nonetheless, any search of a person's financial records, barring some very exceptional circumstances, is going to require a warrant. Instead, it appears the DHS just created a huge database of everyone sending money to or from Mexico and southwestern states via wire transfers. The amount they sent or received, and where both sides of the transaction live. They then allowed the cops to just go on a fishing expedition into people's lives without any indication of wrongdoing. And this obviously opens the door for massive abuses. Notably, it essentially criminalizes all people of Mexican heritage and decides they have less rights than everyone else just because they may be sending money to a relative. It also does the same with anyone living in the Southwest sending money to any country at all. It also opens the door to witch hunts where the cops can just start randomly searching people's personal information, trying to find or manufacture something illegal. And it has to be said, in the context of all of this and the involvement of DHS and especially Border Patrol and ICE, one has to wonder if they were using this financial transaction data to try to target people as undocumented immigrants in order to deport them. And again, even if nothing untoward was happening, the style of seeking these records is still probably illegal, and that alone is crucially important. DHS is claiming they are reviewing the program, and we'll just have to see if there are any significant changes or revelations. But it's worth noting that at this stage, we know for a fact the NSA, the FBI, the DEA, the CIA, and now DHS have run huge, mainly illegal or in a legal gray area, spying programs designed to circumvent the constitutional rights of people in the United States. At some point, you have to ask, where is the accountability for this rank lawlessness? Senator Rick Scott of Florida is the head of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, or NRSC the main body that works to get Republicans elected at the senatorial level. A couple weeks back, he released without a ton of fanfare the Republican Senate campaign's basic principles and priorities, what they are running on, so to speak. And there is quite a bit there, but one thing that, well, one thing among many, that does jump out is that a major part of the Republican plan is to significantly raise taxes on poor people. Yes, that's right. Tax hikes for poor people is a major part of the Republican promises of change, should they win back the majority in the fall. The plan is presented in one throwaway line that, quote, all Americans should pay some income tax to have skin in the game, even if a small amount. Currently, over half of Americans pay no income tax, end quote. And this is a rehash of the old Mitt Romney line from the 2012 presidential election that 47% of the country was made up of, quote, unquote, takers, i.e. they contributed nothing to society. And for those who remember the 2012 election, You'll remember that line essentially tanked Romney's campaign, as it was also given at a secret dinner of rich people, further amplifying its clear anti-worker bias. So in a way, it speaks exactly to who the Republicans are coming for in the fall in terms of voters. That's people with money who live in the suburbs, too many of whom have been voting for Democrats in the past two cycles for Republicans to get a majority or win the presidency. So among other things, Republicans are clearly amping up the clear class appeals to those of higher status. 
But beyond that, it's a totally absurd idea based on a fraudulent set of facts. First of all, it is not true that over half of people do not pay any income tax. Now, it's true that you might be able to manipulate the numbers to have jumped over 50% in 2020 and 2021, but that's because the main reason people pay no income tax is because they make either an extraordinarily low amount of money, are retired, or are disabled. But just for the record, studies done of more normal years, quote-unquote, show clearly it's fewer than 50%, perhaps only about 35.4%, according to one study, in terms of the percentage of people who pay no income tax. Either way, again... Most social security benefits are not taxable, so the elderly and the disabled rightfully do not pay an income tax. The other subset of people not paying income tax do so because their income is so low or a combination of a relatively low income and refundable tax credits. The standard deduction for a married couple this year is $25,900. If you make less than that, you pay no income tax. The reason you have this sort of situation is the amount of money people are making below these thresholds, the standard deduction threshold, is so low, taxing them becomes a disincentive for people to work. So it's actually a conservative idea designed to create more low-wage workers. In fact, that's exactly why Senator Scott's Republican colleague from Florida, Marco Rubio, is always arguing that there should be more generous earned income tax credits. Because so many jobs pay poverty wages that ultimately, it's probably easier to survive by enrolling in various forms of government assistance over shorter periods of time, as opposed to working during those periods of time. So again, the whole thing is really a way of designing a larger low-wage workforce. As for the refundable tax credits, let's say you have $1,000 in tax liability, but also qualify for the child tax credit maximum of $1,500. Since the tax credit is greater than your liability, the government then pays you $500. Of course, the average person in this scenario is not some wealthy scam artist, but someone just on the cusp of being able to live decently and whose lives are significantly assisted by the tax credit. So Scott and the Republicans are basically saying that being too poor to pay taxes is some sort of benefit to a person, that is essentially a benefit to be living in poverty, is what he's saying, and that that benefit should be ended. And you combine that with the fact that Republicans also want to drastically curtail all social assistance programs, you can see that the Republican plan is to, instead of using the tax code to incentivize work, use it to drive poor people deeper into poverty by making them pay higher taxes which means the tax code would basically be punishing workers for not taking two or three poverty wage jobs and or accepting terrible working conditions to make sure they can afford to pay the new taxes. In other words, it's just another way of breaking down protections for workers and forcing more people to accept more shabby treatment on the job. One set of people does benefit from this, though. Business owners who can pay lower wages, work people longer hours, take fewer safety precautions, and more frequently violate labor law. So there you have it. If Republicans take the majority in the Senate, one of their key goals is to ruin the lives of poor people even more to make the rich even richer. Just about a week ago, the Interdisciplinary Group of Independent Experts, or GIEI, it's the Spanish acronym, presented their final report to the OAS, Organization of American States, on human rights violations by the coup regime in Bolivia during the last quarter of 2019. As the news organization People's Dispatch details, among the rights violated were, quote, the right to life, right to personal integrity, right to freedom and personal security, right to honor, dignity and privacy, the right to judicial guarantees and due process, the right to freedom of expression, right of assembly and freedom of association, right of every woman to a life free of violence, right to access health care, among others. And it also pointed out the discrimination faced by indigenous people, the attacks against their property and the denial of their right to work. 
People's Dispatch further notes that the report, quote, confirmed the occurrence of two massacres by security forces, recurring use of torture, political persecution, illegal detention and summary execution of those who took to the streets and rejection of the coup and in support of the democratically elected socialist president, Evo Morales. It reiterated that in the context of a political conflict surrounded by violence, at least 37 people lost their lives in various parts of the country and hundreds received serious injuries, both physical and psychological. The report also notes that the signing of Supreme Decree 4078 by coup leader Janine Agnes, which provided immunity for the armed forces of the state, opened the door to this mass repression. Marlon Whiteshirt, a member of the GIEI, stated that, quote, the police and the armed forces in separate actions or in joint operations frequently used excessive and disproportionate force. Likewise, they failed to prevent acts of violence practiced by groups of civilians. The report also noted that journalists were, quote, intensely harassed and injured and that the judicial system aided and abetted the wave of repression. Bolivia's current government, which was, of course, the victim of the coup, has pledged to institute the changes the report's authors suggest to strengthen human rights protections in the country and express gratitude to the authors for confirming the allegations they had been really shouting from the rooftops about while they were happening during the coup. Trials are ongoing in Bolivia for some of the coup leaders, and likely they'll be found guilty given the large amount of evidence that is now in the public sphere regarding their crimes. And it's crucial to remember here that all these crimes took place with such impunity because Bolivia's coup leaders knew they had the full support of the United States in their actions and expected to be insulated from any real consequences. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah.